Good morning, everyone. It's a privilege to be here. And thanks for those who have been praying for me. I feel a little better than last time I was here in front. But God is doing great things. And I want to welcome you here. If you're new to Gateway or if you've been gone for a long time and you're coming back, welcome to this series that we've been having in reading and learning about the Gospel of Matthew. And today we are in Matthew chapter 13. And we read a couple of verses, jump here and there, and we want to learn what God has for us. My prayer today is that God will deposit in our heart something that will not just be an information, something that will lead us, that will change the way we do things, that will give us courage in this world we're living in. So, may God bless his word. Matthew 13, we read verse 24 to 30, and then 36 to 43. If you're ready, it's up there. We read, He, Jesus, put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grains, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? He said, no, least in gathering the weeds, you root up the weeds along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundle to be burned. But rather, but gather the wheat into my barn. Verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the ages. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fierce furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Amen. Amen. Today we remember our veterans. 
men and women who defended peace and freedom during the world world war two world war one world war two and all the wars that the conflicts we know a corner in the army visited my kids uh, school this week he said this all those people went in the battlefield in the hope that justice and peace will triumph whether they die before or live to see it it's this hope of seeing peace and freedom triumph that led millions of people to pay the price with their lives many have gone to bring peace into those conflicts to fight for it but others have gone to spread the good news of peace in Jesus Christ those who went the missionaries we want to think about them as well today many of them died because they knew they were sowing peace in those lands where they went millions of dollars have been poured out to kind of bring peace in the world even today millions of dollars are sent around the world to maintain peace actually i, I love the word gazillion dollars I wish I could say I have 3.5 gazillion dollars in my bank account, but you can't say that. That's bad. Gazillion dollars. Millions of dollars are sent. But is that not strange that the world is getting more money to bring peace? That Christians are growing in number around the world? That the church is multiplying? Organizations are working for peace, but yet everywhere we hear about conflicts we hear about genocides millions are dying we see an increasing resistance to the good news of peace persecution for those who are preaching the gospel and those who are trying to leave the gospel in those countries what is happening are christian not praying today it's clear to everyone that there are forces beyond man's control that are triggering all this they say conflicts that we seeing today the fight that we seeing the issues i seeing logically there shouldn't be a problem people fighting each other for no logical reason killing many people thousands why because we know it's triggered by something that is above man's control Evil is present everywhere in man's activity to steal, to kill, to destroy the beautiful world that God has given us. This reality is not new. People are trying to ask questions, but if they read the Bible, Jesus talked about it. And Matthew was so inspired to write it down at this level of in this book of Matthew. And this is actually what we just read before this chapter jesus has started to shake the world around him he was healing people doing miracles changing the way people were thinking drive people crazy because that was not what they used to have in chapter 12 he actually healed somebody on the day of sabbath somebody with a crippled hand and he was accused and said, you're doing that by the power of the prince of demons. 
But he answered to them, say, every kingdom divided against itself is laid, is laid to west, is laid west. And no city or house divided against itself will stand. Matthew 12, 25. It starts from that point that Jesus started to talk about his kingdom. How it works. What's the difference between his kingdom and the kingdom of darkness and the world. He started by talking about the seeds, how he saw in the world the kingdom. I encourage you to go and read that. When you have your own time or in the house group. But in the portion of scripture we just read. He explains that he has been growing. His kingdom has been growing. He's sowing things in his kingdom. But there is an enemy. Who's also at work in the same time. In the same word. Sowing other things in the word. This is the parable of the wheat. And the weeds. The title of my message today is Weeds or Weeds. I wonder why I chose this title because it's a challenge. I have to say Weeds and Weeds, and it's kind of heavy in my tongue with my French accent. Note that Jesus is talking about this parable to a crowd that knew exactly what he was talking about. Everyone in those days has at least experienced a little bit of this. They knew what weed and weeds was. What's the difference? What the challenge was. Their problem is they couldn't bridge between that common story and the spiritual implication. The spiritual meaning of what was going on. God has given us, given us the church here. The grace to, op- to be open in our spirit and understand exactly what it meant. There are a few things I want to share with you from this story. The first one. It's God planted you, the weed, in this place. The first thing we see in this verse, 24, is an active God. God sowing the weeds in the word for his purpose. There was a purpose when he did that. He decides where he puts you. Whether it's in Canada, in Winnipeg, or in the state, or in Congo, or in Afghanistan, wherever he decided to put you, God decided to put you there. And when he did that, he knew why he did. He deposited in you enough power, enough resources, enough grace, that you will be succeeding in the place he planted you. Think about this. How hard is your environment right now? How dark is it? The darker it is, the harder it is. You can stand and thank God and say, Thank you, Lord, because you trust me that I will overcome in this place. Not many can overcome here. But because God puts you right there, it's because he knows that you will succeed in that place. John 15, 16 says, You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you should go and bear fruits, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask to the Father in my name, he may give to you. Sometimes the response, the answer to your, your prayer are not coming because it's falling 
on the place you were supposed to be. The land where he planted you. You're in the wrong place. That's why you don't get anything. That just might be one reason. So when God planted you in this church, or whatever church he planted you to, in the crazy family that you have, hmm, with all the brothers and sisters that don't call you at Christmas, the job you got, with the boss you got, who always looks you down, the nation you belong to, I was joking because that's true. We Congolese, we don't love being Congolese. The day I got my Canadian citizenship, they told me that you can only be one. Either Canadian or Congolese. I said, okay, I'm fine. But the, the Congolese nation, God planted me to, where I belong to. There's a purpose for that. So that you may bear fruits where you are. God didn't do any mistake. You might don't like your brother or sister. He didn't do a mistake. This is just the person you need right there. And you will overcome. You will bear fruit because God trusts what he is putting in you. When I left my country 22 years ago, I think, my city, I was heading for Dallas, Texas. <laughs> Had all the promises was nice. Took the plane and war started. When I landed, everything changed. And here am I in the snow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're glad. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> when I left Germany, I could have gone everywhere else because I had a job in Vancouver, a proposal. Job. In Montreal, I could speak French, even when it's not the same French. But... We, I had jobs in Toronto. We could have gone all over, like God said, Winnipeg. So now when I'm here, things are not always easy. You know, when I was born in my country, I left when I was 25. The coldest temperature I had was, my, uh, was plus 14. We, it was freezing. People died at plus 14. And I landed in Germany, it was minus 5. And I landed in Winnipeg, it was minus 20. I didn't choose to be here. God planted me here. So when I have a problem, I don't try to resolve this for myself. I don't try to fix things for myself. I go to the master of the field who planted me here. Say, God, I have a problem. It's his problem. The master fixes it. I don't know about you. We love complaining. We love trying to solve, save ourselves. Do the Abraham thing and get Ishmael, you know, Ishmael. And then you get issues. Go back to the master who planted you here. And he will intervene. I was complaining last week about having more clients because this season didn't pick up the way it should. I was complaining about Winnipeg again. I said, God, Winnipeg. While I was praying, complaining, an email came through. said, DJ, we need you. I said, okay, God, I'm sorry for it. (laughs) The master, the master will provide. If you believe these things, if you trust, God will intervene. The Bible says that my just will live by faith. 
But if he withdraws, my soul doesn't get pleasure, doesn't enjoy him anymore. We have to trust the Lord who planted us. Second thing. The enemy is also planting his own, the weeds. The enemy is always, is also working in God's word. God created this world. He created this place. He puts you here. The enemy is doing also this, the same thing. The enemy is not after your marriage. The enemy is not after your car or your shoes or your socks or whatever you think that the enemy is after. He's after God's things. He's after, he's attacking you because you belong to the Lord Almighty. Don't think it's personal. He will destroy your life. He will destroy your health. He will destroy your things because you belong to the Lord Almighty. That's his purpose. So when you get into trouble, what do you do? Go back to the master. See, your enemy is attacking me. And I'm pretty sure God has muscles to kick away the devil who's troubling you in your life. Not this. Verse 27. God knows that the enemy is working. He's doing things. It's not by surprise. He doesn't surprise him. God, he, wants, he even warns us about it. The devil is working. And actually things are not getting easier. We think that in those days the crusade and all those, that was worse. Now, now it's worse. It's getting even worse right now. We have to expect more resistance to the good news. We have to expect a lot of persecution, even here in Canada. In those days, there was a law in the Roman Empire that required a formal investigation, criminal investigation, if one's field was full of weeds. The reason is, they were very careful because that was their life. People were very careful when they were sowing wheat, uh, wheat, the wheat, the good seeds. People were very careful to remove any weeds, any herb that doesn't look like wheat. So when in one field they just found out there's a weeds growing, that was a crime. That means there was somebody, a competitor, somebody jealous or some, something like that, who came and sowed actually the weeds that you see. And when Jesus said, the master said, the enemy did that, they understood exactly what was going on. They knew that normally it's somebody have done this. It cannot be the master himself. It cannot be the owners of the land. It cannot be natural. It was done by somebody. Much like in our lives. Things happen. Weeds in our lives. The thing is that it happened when we were sleeping. And the devil tries to put that on you. Fill you with guilt. Because you didn't, you slept. And your kids grew up to be weeds. 
And you walking with this guilt every day with you. The mistakes that you did when you were depressed. Or not. The things that you did when you were young that follow you, you know. My pastor in Congo used to say, good friends, they go quickly. But the bad ones, they stick with you. You have to fast and pray. Even get mad and tear your Bible and then they go. Leave you torn away, torn apart. Bad people. Those that you get into, engaged into, where you were not praying so much. Those little mistakes, the devil comes and sow weeds in your life. But the Bible says the enemy is ultimately the one who causes that. We do our mistakes. For sure. But the weeds in our lives, those ones that stick, the devil is part of it. Ephesians 6, 12 says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the comic powers over the, this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Note this, the master doesn't blame, in verse 28, he doesn't blame the workers for sleeping. He says it's the enemy. What a consolation that our Lord doesn't blame us. What he wants is for you to come back to him. So he can fix whatever has been done in your life. Are you walking with guilt? You know it's your mistake. God doesn't blame you. But he wants you to come back so that he can help you fix it. It's not in God's character to hold grudge against you because of what you did. The Bible says that the times of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands that all people everywhere to repent. This is your way out. Today is your way out of this. Are you stuck in those things? Today is your day where there's a door, the way out. It's called repentance. Come to the Lord. He will fix it. Verse 25. The enemy doesn't plant in his own field. Did you notice that? He doesn't go in his own stuff. He doesn't have any. What he does, he goes where God has planted the good weeds, the good seeds. Many people take upon themselves to uproot themselves from the place God has given them. To go and plant themselves in another place. Thinking that that's going to be better. If it's a good church where you uproot yourself. You know, full of the Holy Spirit. You get in, you fall down and crazy stuff happen. You love that type of church. If it's exactly a good church that you want. There's a good chance that the devil also went already went in and saw weeds inside. Because wherever you go, you think it's good, there's weeds. You uproot yourself here, you go into wars. If God wants you to move from a place, he will make you move. He will uproot, he will cause situation to take you from one place to another. If the job that you're in, you don't like, 
God will take you from there. We'll put you somewhere else. Can I suggest that it's not wise to do it by yourself? Because you don't know what you're going to meet there. You don't like a French preacher? Like with an accent like me? No. You can go. But guess what? You may as well fall on the end of uh, another one. With a deep, deep, really deep, very, very, very Francais accent. Right there. <laughs> then you'll be thinking about me. You're better off with me. I'm working hard to make myself clear. And plus... <laughs> As I said this, and plus, I'm a good seed. Plant it here and get where to give you patience. <laughs> Until my French, my English gets a little better, which is going to take a long time for now. You got to be patient. So we thank God for that. Third thing, wheat and weeds look alike, but they differ in the fruits they're producing. Christ uses wheat to symbolize true children, true Christians. Wheat has been the central element in nutrition and healing in those days. During most of human history, it was mostly used as bread, and it was called the staff of life. Armstrong, Herbert. Say the grain of wheat God causes to grow out of the ground is the perfect food. You can tell your boss, don't tell him. But when you go to work tomorrow, or if you're off tomorrow, Tuesday, you land on that job place, you can know, you know that you are the perfect food for them. There might be the worst company in Winnipeg, but because you in this company God planted you there as the perfect food for them can you believe that for yourself it doesn't matter how you feel right now this is the purpose God has planted you right there for the weed on the other side is a symbol is a counterfeit its scientific name is Dorno it comes from a French again French Ivre or Ivre which means drunk, dizzy. Having earned this name for the result it's producing, the intoxication it's producing when you eat it. When consuming small quantity, it can, Derno can cause symptoms similar to drunkenness, trembling, inability to walk, inability to speak. I didn't have weed, by the way, even when my tongue seemed to be heavy. Nausea, vomiting. Hallucination. When you take it in small, large doses, it can destroy your nervous system and can lead to death. So the value and health property of the wheat are the opposite of the harmful properties of the darno. But the problem is they look alike when they grow. Verse 29 and 30. The owner of the field says, let them both grow together. The reason is that the wheat and the darno are exact in appearance during the growth. Darno looks exactly 
like the wheat. That's why the enemy goes and spreads them. They're both green. They can be distinguished only when they get mature and bring, produce fruits. If a farmer attempts to uproot them while they're young, they will destroy the wheat as well. Because even their roots are tangled. But I just read also that the wheat, the weeds, the darno, when it grows, it tends to bundle in groups. So when it becomes mature, it tends to stay away from the weed. That's why the master say, leave it for now. Spiritually, we understand that wheat and wheat grow alike in the church. They are equal in zeal, in appearance. They all come to church on time. They all sing the praises. They all go doing things. But when they get mature, when they're confronted to trials, that's where you find the difference. The Bible says the fool, if he shuts his mouth, he will look wise. But that stops until he opens his mouth. That's what happens here. The sons of the devil will know them when they get mature. But until that time, what are we doing? The wheat, the good grain, has to be and remain the good grain until the victory comes. If it changes, it's going to be uprooted. Actually, if the wheat doesn't produce fruits, it gets uprooted as well. Thrown with the weeds in the same place. The only way out is to produce fruits. So let's talk about this moment. The assignment of information that you get that stays at information level, like the stories on Facebook, Mugabe, and all those stories we hear on TV, they don't change you, they don't, they don't fix you, they don't, they don't do anything. But some information that when you hear them, it requires you to act upon them or to have a good attitude or change your attitude on them. Christmas is coming. Married people know what I'm talking about. When you go to the mall or to Costco and your wife starts to kind of slow down in the section that you usually don't go to, you know, the jury section. You know that that's information. <laughs> and you got to do something about it. Or at least, when she look at the necklace, say, wow, that was 600. Now it's only 300. You know that it's not an empty information. You got to do something about it. <laughs> or at least, when you see that at home, in Christmas or Boxing Day, you got to have a good attitude about it. I say, oh, you bought it. I think we had money in the budget for that. Thank God for it. Because she gave you information. My kids, when we drive home, usually there's no outside. They will look at, Dad, all the kids are playing outside. Yes, that's a good information. But you got to do something about it. Hmm? They want to play outside. I have a problem. I have to say that again here. <laughs> On Boxing Day, I tend to want to buy a guitar. I bought one in 2007. It's still at home. Boxing Day, I bought one. That was the only time I opened it. That was the only time I touched it. Every year, I want to buy a new one for some reason. 
I'm not a flyer guy, but you know, I'll buy, I'll take all the flyers, look for guitars. Then I'll take the guitar, the, the flyer, on the, open on the guitar page. I'll leave it on the, de- on the table so my wife can see that. That's an information hanging out there so she can react and do something about it. Then I'll come back and say, did you see my guitar on, uh, in the flyer? Oh, no, I threw it in the garbage. What? You threw my guitar in the garbage? The guitar you didn't even buy yet. But that's information. So I want to have a guitar. The other one is expired. <laughs> it has been like 10 years. I don't know. <laughs> she threw the, the, the flyer, the one with the guitar right now. But that's information. It's like this parable. Like everything in the scripture. You hear this. But you got to act upon it. So how do we apply all these things in our lives? First thing. We need to bear fruits. We need to bear fruits as Christians. As wheat, we need to bear fruits. John 15 tells us that God has planted you. Say, you are the, the light. He planted you somewhere so that you may bear fruits. Doesn't matter how dark your surroundings are. People at work, friends and family members, you have to continue to be the wheat that you are and bear fruits. God has trusted you with his anointing. And when he puts you in that dark place, he knows that you will have the victory. Don't you want to taste the victory of Jesus in your life? Right in the place where you are. Right with the people who persecuted you. You will shine at the end. I'm happy to tell you that when I was in Kinshasa, you know, I had persecution. I, I, all, all my family, the 100% of family members were against me. Today, 100% of those family, they go in the same church I was, they were persecuting me. They're doing the same thing. They go in the same school, doing, trying to do the same thing I was doing when they were persecuting me. Because Jesus Christ will give you the victory in the place of darkness you are in. Just continue. Bear fruits. There's one thing I want to share. So, James 5, verse 9 says, Do not grumble against one another, brothers. So that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Don't complain about the weeds around you like it's something new. The church, the church, there are always people talking too much. This, this is known since the years. Even Jesus knew about it. So it's not new. What's new is that you can bear fruit right there and change your environment. Do not be easily offended. When you deal with people. Because you know it's not just about you. It's the master you serve that they're against. So if there's a problem, go back to the master. Don't complain too much. Never take affront and insult personally. Especially when they attack your faith. Be patient. Love. And use kindness. Pray for others, especially those who are persecuted. Because you are in the same thing. This is how you bear fruit. The fruits of the Holy Spirit. You bring light in that place. That's how you overcome. Second thing we can learn from this. 
Do not mix weeds and weeds together. Jesus warns us about it. Actually, in those days, when you use dernel, the weed, you put it in the mixture or in the bread, it can cause you all sorts of issues. You look drunk. It's the basis of the beer and the other alcohol we know these days. Because they use that wheat and put it in and say, oh, hallucination. Cool. That's how where that came from. So when you mix it, it creates problems. And the word that succeeded in selling to Christians weeds, we'll use it. We talk about it. I also said when I was this week trying to go to the doctor, somebody called me. Mixing blessing and weeds in the same time. That I was so sorry. Because he said, oh, may God bless you. I said, amen. Oh, be zen. Be positive. Trust the universe and you'll be fine. I said, oh, wait a minute. The universe is a creation. My dad was in a cult. He told me that. What you meant to say with all the good intention that may Jesus Christ bless you so that you'll be saved. Why do I have to use the universe? Oh, because people don't like to use God. But we're not doing our job when we try to talk about this. Because we're using weeds and feeding to other people. And they get dizzy, depressed. No wonder there's no miracle. No wonder there's no impact of what we're saying. Because the word we're using are weeds. Mixture of weeds and weeds that get people dizzy. Our kids get dizzy because we don't drop in their heart the real food. The perfect food of the weed of the word of God. Do not mix those things. In Irene's class... In school, there was a little girl. It's forbidden to talk about religion. But there were kids making noise all over the place. And one instructor stood up and said, We're doing what I'm saying because I'm the boss. And the little girl stood up and said, You're not the boss here. Jesus Christ is the boss. Everybody went quiet. No replication. No retaliation. No objection. Nothing. Because the word she spoke... We're life and we're full of anointing that everybody went silent. Yes. She's not considered the smartest in the class. But she had power. She had the wheat with her. Let's be pure in what we're doing. This is our way out of the problems that we have. This is how we overcome. Finally, trust the Lord. Trust God. That the place he puts you in this season is the right place. Philippians 1, 6 says, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Have you felt God's presence the day you came to Christ? The same God who started, even while you're in a mess right now, weeds all around, he will finish it if you trust. If you trust him. He trusted you so that you can bear fruit. Today, if you have not known Jesus, if Jesus is something far, you've been living in all sort of mixture. You, you don't know if God speaks to you. It's probably that because you've been eating a mixture of wheat and weeds. But today you can fix it and come to Jesus and let him feed you with the right food.
Are you confused? Living in pain and guilt? Today is the day you can go out to repentance. Because God is here not condemning you. But he has opened the door so he can help you fix the problem with the weeds in your life. Are you looking around you and seeing only weeds? It looks like you alone doing what is right. There's no problem. The Bible says the light will always cast away the darkness. So the weeds will always overcome. Let me put it this way. You will always overcome if you keep on bearing fruits and trusting the Lord Jesus Christ.